say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Exploring Science and the Sea Like relatives who linger a little too long after the holidays, some species of whales are taking their time about leaving Arctic waters in the fall. And that could set up some unpleasant competition with other species for the goodies in the fridge. Researchers at the University of Washington have been keeping an ear on whales and other marine mammals in the straits between the Arctic and Northern Pacific Oceans. They've set up a network of underwater microphones that record sounds for months at a time. The researchers retrieve the recordings and listen for the clicks, whistles, and songs of different species. Sound is a good way to monitor migrations because it can travel long distances, and it can be recorded all year long, even when conditions are too brutal to watch these animals. Some whales are known as summer species because they visit the Arctic during the year's warmer months. That includes humpback, fin, and killer whales. Other whales, such as the bowhead, are winter species. They inhabit the Arctic during the cold, dark months of winter. Over the last few decades, though, as the oceans have warmed, parts of the Arctic have remained ice-free for several more weeks or even months. The underwater recordings reveal that the summer species are taking advantage of that time, lingering in the Arctic well into fall. And that could present a problem. When the summer species stick around, they compete with the winter species for food, extra mouths to feed from the Arctic fridge. Celebrating 10 years on the air, that's Science in the Sea, a production of the University of Texas Marine Science Institute at Port Aransas. I'm Holly Brawley. Original thinker and activist Tom Hartman joins the lineup weekday afternoons here on KCAA. But a cop to deal with discipline problems? It's turning a school into a prison. It's teaching kids how to be afraid of authority figures. It's teaching them, oh, yes, officer, no officer. Oh, don't please don't beat the crap out of her. Oh, wow, we're going to beat the crap out of her. This is so wrong. Join Tom Hartman weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on KCAA, 1050 AM and 106.5 FM. 
If you're booking a cruise out of Galveston, we suggest you add a few days to your vacation and rent a Galveston Island beachfront home. Our fully furnished homes are equipped with central air, washer dryers, dishwashers, cable, wireless internet, and unlimited telephone service. Step off the lower deck of your beachfront vacation home and walk 50 feet to the tideline where you can fish for speckled trout, redfish, and whiting. Watch the pelicans and they'll show you where to cast your line. Enjoy horseback riding on the beach, jet skiing, deep sea fishing, dolphin tours, Schlitterbahn Water Park, and the famous Moody Gardens. Tour historical homes, art galleries, and antique shops, and enjoy Galveston's nightlife with award-winning restaurants and live music from jazz to rock and roll. Our homes rent for less than hotel rooms on a per-occupant basis. Call 832-452-0528 or visit our website, www.texasbeachfrontvacations.com. Your voice, your opinions, heard round the world at www.kcaaradio.com. The station that leaves no listener behind, KCAA. KCAA Radio now joins the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas, with Pastor David McNary. All right, if you have a Bible with you today, let me invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I once heard Dr. Manuel Scott, preacher, philosopher extraordinary, say these words. Our primary fault is not that we are bad, but that we serve the good instead of the best. He went on to say, He that standeth in the presence of the highest and chooses the high sinneth though that high be holy. Now, whenever you listen to Dr. Scott, you have to think about what he says because he says it in such a way that causes you to have to think. He's a a preacher, an unbelievable preacher, but that philosophy part of it comes into play ever so often. You see, in many cases, rather than becoming all that we can be, and I think most of us, if we would admit it, have to say, you know, we really sell ourselves a little short because we could be more of what God wants us to be than what we are. And the reason is because we choose not to submit ourselves and surrender ourselves unto the Lord's hand so that we can do all that we can do. So what happens so often is that rather than being everything we can be in our relationship to God, we just get to the point where we see how little we can get away with before we start to feel guilty. It's true, and I think that we'd all have to admit that at least at some point in our lives we do that very thing. Rather than choosing God's best, we follow our worldly inclinations to see just how far away from God we can get before He realizes it and comes and rounds us up and then puts the whoop on us, okay? Disciplines us. There are some things that we do in our churches. One of the things that we've done and we've talked about in the past, and people, you can get people stirred up. You know, all I have to do is just say, say the words gender identity right now, and man, everybody in here has got a, an opinion already. And, and that, that stirs us up. But, you know, for years we've worried about institutional atheism and the effect that institutional atheism has on the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet we we get upset about that. And yet we overlook the plague of practical atheism. 
practical atheism. You say, preacher, what in the world is practical atheism? Well, practical atheism is something which grows within the church. Practical atheism is the religion of good people which causes them to honor God with their lips and yet remain far away from Him with their hearts. That's loving Him in word and not deed. Loving Him in word and not deed. In other words, what we do is we come to church on Sunday and we say, I love God, and then we go out there and we live for the devil six other days of the week. Sometimes it's six other days and 23 hours, but that's practical atheism. Because you see, what happens is whenever we're hypocritical as Christians, we do more damage to the church and to the cause of Christ than the atheists ever thought about doing. Because it's called practical atheism. Because people look at what you do and believe what you do more than they believe what you say anyway. Intellectually, we all want Jesus around. We want Him on standby. People are that way. We, well, they want Him around because there's just something about Him that's so different. Even people who are lost people want to know that, that at least there are some saved people around and that Jesus is, is, uh, is close by because they want Him on standby just in case we need Him. We just don't want Him, we just don't want him meddling in our everyday affairs. And that's a scary thing, folks. He wants to be in charge of our everyday affairs, not just meddling in them. You remember when Jesus and his disciples set out across the Sea of Galilee and a storm arose and the storm threatened to sink the, the boat, the little ship that they were in. And, and they looked around and they thought, uh-oh, where's Jesus? Can't find Jesus. I, I don't know if some of them thought, well, maybe he got washed overboard, but they couldn't find Jesus. Finally, they searched and they searched until they found Jesus in the back of the boat and He was sound asleep. He, the boat was rocking Him to sleep. You know something I think is interesting is, amazingly, they hadn't even missed Him until they got in trouble. I think that speaks to our culture today. Even as those who call ourselves Christians, believers in Christ, we just wander around through life doing whatever comes naturally and whatever comes next, and we don't even miss that we've separated ourselves from the presence of Jesus until we get in trouble, until a problem arises. Scott says that we all want Jesus on board our boat, we just don't want Him to be the captain of our boat. And that's a big problem in our culture today, but it's not a new problem. It's been that way a long, long, long time. So today I want to deal with a very familiar passage of Scripture and a subject I think that we need to be more familiar with, and that's the subject is titled Finding God's Will. Let's find God's will. Now I want you to notice in Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to begin reading verse 31. Our primary Scripture of emphasis today is going to be verse 33. But look at verse 31. He says, Take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. He said, he said Okay, Jews, uh, just think about it. These are the same things that the Gentiles are looking for. He said, That's not what is really, really important. So he says, For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Then he goes on, he says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, 
and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Finding God's will. Okay, now notice what he said there. Jesus said it himself. He used the word seek. Seek. In order to find something, you must seek it. If you've lost your bracelet at home, you have to go search for it. Seek. He says you have to seek. You have to search for it. I want you to notice the words, though. Seek ye first. The word seek ye first implies free will. Those words imply that God has given to mankind the freedom to choose. He allows us moral and intellectual freedom. Granted, our choices are limited. You have a lot of freedom, but your choices are limited. For instance, you didn't get the opportunity to pick the time or the place of your birth. Did you? Anyone here? We didn't get to choose our parents. Oh, but I'm glad I got the parents I got. That's just for me. We can't order our physical appearance. You see, if I could have done that, I would have been six foot one. I didn't really want to be, you know, taller than that. But I would have been six foot one. I would have been slim and trim, had a six pack, you know, here, not anywhere else. Had a six pack here. Some people say, uh, every once in a while I go to the doctor and the doctor said, take your shirt off. And I said, oh, you want to see my... My 12-pack, <laughs> forgive me, Lord. You know, I would have dark hair and dark, darker skin and darker complexion because this thing of fighting with the sunscreen is just a pain, you know. But we don't get to do that, do we? We are who we are. We are who God made us to be. And actually, in reality, that's all God wants us to be, is the person that He made us, the person He made us to be. So our freedom is limited. We can't change the past. We can't determine what the future may hold. And though we do all we can to have long life, the day and hour of our departure is still in the hands of the Creator. We can work on it. We can do everything we can do. Eat right. Exercise. Mm, pick something else. But we can't change those facts. We don't have the ability to make those kinds of choices. But while our freedom is limited, God still gives us the right to choose who or what will be first priority in our lives. He gives us the right to choose what's going to be the most important thing in our lives. It's that freedom is what allowed Adam to sin. That freedom is what caused death to become a reality for all humankind. That, that freedom is what makes each of us personally, now get this, each of us personally accountable to God for our actions and for our eternity. Now let me tell you something. There's not anything that I can do for you to give you eternal life. It's a personal choice. You have to choose. Katie Irwin sings that song, I Choose to Be a Christian. You have to choose to be a Christian. You have to choose to trust Christ in the forgiveness of sin. It's a choice. It's a choice that we make. That's our freedom to be accountable to God for our eternity and for our daily choices. So first of all, this passage of Scripture implies free will. The second thing I want you to notice 
is it imposes other kingdoms. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Listen, if the kingdom of God is going to be first, then that imposes upon us that there are other kingdoms. And you'll have to admit, when you stop to think about it, you see, our lives are complicated by these other kingdoms. For if God's kingdom is to be first, then there are some other kingdoms which must also find their respective places in our order of priorities and in importance in our lives. Well, what are some of those other kingdoms which are a part of our lives? For some, it's education. Saw just on the TV this morning, three brothers all got perfect scores on the ACT test. Wow. One of them was still in high school. The other two were in college, but they had perfect scores on the... So some, for some people, it's, it's education. For other people, it's occupation. It may be the pursuit of happiness. You know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be happy. I, I like to watch, uh, I like to watch some of those shows. Uh, you know, everything is on the Alaskan wilderness now, and those guys that go up there and live off the grid and try to survive. I like to watch that. They call it pursuing happiness. Now, folks, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I like to watch it because I don't want to do it. I can do it through them vicariously. My mother-in-law asked me one time, said, let's go snow skiing. I said, are you going to ski? She said, no. I said, what are you going to do? She said, I'm going to sit out there on the deck with a cup of hot chocolate and a blanket and watch y'all ski. And I said, well, let me tell you something. I went skiing one time. And there was nothing pleasant about little ice crystals flying off of the front of those skis and hitting me in the face. And so I tried it one time, and that was enough. And my old friend, Brother Leroy, broke me a water skiing. So, but I like to watch those things because they're pursuing, and they call it happiness. It's, it's their freedom. Some people, for that other kingdom, is, is their business or maybe recreation. Sometimes it's their houses or their land or their family or their pets. All of those things are important. But what he says is, seek ye first, listen, the kingdom of God. He's supposed to be first. Now, we read those other scriptures where in verse 32 it said, For all these things do the Gentiles seek for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. He said, God already knows about all those things. He said, don't make those the, the most important priority in your life. Because when we make those the most important priority, then we do like I did a while ago with the children, and we turn ourselves away from God, and we can't receive the blessings that God is trying to pour into our lives. Now, be sure to understand that He pours those blessings into our lives. He actually pours them through us so that they might touch others. You see, anything that I consider a priority in my life is another kingdom. It's another one of those kingdoms. Now, let me just say this so that you don't misunderstand me. God is not saying that these other kingdoms are unimportant. No, He's not saying that at all. He's not saying that at all. But the imposing of other kingdoms simply teaches us that there must be some method, some way to prioritize those things for the glory of the most important kingdom, and that one is the kingdom of Almighty God. You see, we need to learn how to lose our will 
in the will of God. You know, our decision-making process, our will, what we want and what we want to do, we need to be able to find it inside, inside here of the perfect will of Almighty God. And that's where we need to be living. We need to be living in that sphere of God's will. So, this passage, this passage not only implies free will, it also imposes other kingdoms. And then thirdly, this passage imparts the importance of submission. The fulfillment of the statement, all these things shall be added unto you, is conditional. And that condition is what we've been talking about. That condition is our willingness to put God first in our lives. He's going to add these things to you. He's going to give you the things that you need. He's going to bless you in amazing and special ways as you live for Him, as you seek Him, as you search His will, and as you prioritize those things that that are in your life. This portion of the Scripture reinforces the importance of submission to the will of God. Now, many of you have heard me say this before, and, and I think it's critical because sometimes we get to thinking, and, and I've had people come to me and say, uh, Preacher, please ask God to show me His will. Well, if you come to me and want me to pray to ask God to show you His will, the first question I'm going to ask you is, if He shows you, will you do it? If He shows you, will you do it? Now, the reason for that is because I want you to know that God is under no obligation to show you His will if you're not going to do it anyway. And most of the time, what I've discovered is whenever people come to me and want me to pray for them that God would show them His will in their lives, they've already made up their mind. They've already made the decision. It's like when when a uh, couple has marital problems and and they finally come to the preacher and they say, Preacher, we need help. Uh, well, wh- where's the other half? You know, we need help. You got you to gotta help us, preacher. And what happens is most of the time people wait until it's all over with before they seek help. And we oftentimes do that whenever it comes to this matter of knowing the will of God. We don't, God, I don't intend to do it anyway, but I sure would like to know, you know. We always want to know how it turned out, don't we? Sometimes you see what happens is God wants to bountifully bless us, but what we do is we, we withhold, we withhold the blessings of God in our lives by trying to do it ourselves. You know, we want to fix things, help God out and fix things, and God doesn't want us to help Him out and fix things. The other day we had to have a tree cut down over in the parsonage yard. That wind that came through on Tuesday night just took the top out, two two big old limbs out of the top, fell in the yard. The other part that was left was leaning precariously towards the parsonage, so we felt like it would be best to go ahead and take it out. And I was reminded as they were out there working and I was watching, you know, I wasn't going to tell them how to do it because I didn't know. But as I was watching, then it came to me, to my mind, a sign that I saw in a mechanic shop one time said, uh, labor $25. So it was a few years ago. Labor $25 if you watch $50 if you help $75 an hour. And I wanted to go out there and ask the guy, 
is it okay for me to watch or does the price go up? You know, that's what I wanted to ask. You see, we have to be, we have to be careful that we, that we participate, that we do what we're supposed to be doing and allow God to give us the leadership. He doesn't need our help. He does give us opportunities to be a part of what He's doing, but He is, he is God. I want you to please remember how crafty old Satan really is. He'll remind you, if you're trying to, if you're seeking first, primarily prioritizing the kingdom of God, he'll, he'll try to remind you of some of those other kingdoms. You'll say, well, I'm going to go to church or I'm going to go participate in this Christian activity. The little devil slip under you'll say, yeah, but what about the yard? Sure is looking bad. It needs to be mowed. What about the house? Or what about this? Or what about that? Or what about the car? You know, he'll just come up. He likes to slip up and, and cause us to think about those other kingdoms. He wants us to prioritize them first. He may try to influence you to read good books instead of reading the good book. He'll try to influence you to serve your own interest instead of the work of God's kingdom. He'll, he'll influence you to believe that you can worship God anywhere and study the Bible on your own to the exclusion of corporate Bible study and worship. But you know what? God instituted the church for the purpose of building up His people. And when we're built up, we're less susceptible to fall for the temptations that come before us by the old devil. I know there's a lot of people that wonder why preachers believe corporate worship is so important to the health of the body of believers. All right, I'm going to tell you. Number one, first, it's because the Lord considered the church important enough to have Paul write nine of his 13 New Testament letters to local churches. To local churches. Not only that, but Jesus sent seven letters. They're found in the book of the Revelation, chapter 2 and chapter 3. He sent seven letters to the local churches of Asia Minor. And folks, I want to tell you something. The only place, the only place that those people were going to hear the word of the Lord was in that corporate time as those letters were read aloud in the presence of all who were there. And finally, it's because God has instructed us that we are to come together for worship, for fellowship, for prayer, for Bible study, for growth, and for encouragement. When I see you here on the Lord's Day, it encourages me. And I know that when you come together with other believers on the Lord's Day, it encourages you. It builds you up. It helps to make you stronger. Friends, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is critical to the spiritual development of all believers in Christ. All believers in Christ. I've, I can't tell you how many times I've visited with folks about their relationship to Christ. Oh yeah, I'm saved. I, I was saved when I was a little boy. Well, I haven't seen you in church lately. Well, I don't go to church. Too many hypocrites in the church. Yeah. 
and you're one of them. If you go to church and find a hypocrite, pray for them. And pray for yourself at the same time. I always said, if you ever find a perfect church, don't join it, you'll ruin it. Somebody say amen to that, please. Because you know that's true. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. But that together time, this together time that we have, is critical for us. Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. He will show you his will. You can find the will of the Lord. You have to seek the will of the Lord, but he will reveal it. He will reveal it to you. And we must learn that will of God and set out to do it. We must determine ahead of time before we ask him that we're going to do it and and then whenever he shows us then set out to do it and we need to do it with every fiber of our being we need to do it with every instrument in the in the arsenal of our resources i read this little story it said that the storms which plague the indian ocean are peculiar in some ways the typhoons are peculiar because they do not move quickly or in any particular Direction. They simply move about in a circular motion until they eventually die out. Much experience taught the boat captains that if they tried to navigate through the storms, their vessels would be foundered and they would be sunk. So they learned to locate the center of the storm and go around it in ever-narrowing circles until they found themselves in the perfect center in dead calm. And there they could wait out the storms. They found themselves in peace and calm. Folks, I want to tell you something. That's like God's will. If you get out of His will, you face the destructive winds of discouragement, of despair, of disloyalty, and of disfellowship. You've separated yourself from the fellowship of Almighty God. But let me tell you that in the center of God's will is calm and peace and safety and hope and sweet fellowship with Almighty God. It's in that place, in that spot, in the center, in the perfect center of God's will. Paul wrote to the Romans, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he goes on to say, And be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect, do you know those last words? Will of God. The will of God. Folks, you have to surrender in order to find the perfect will of God. But when you find it, you'll find that peace and that hope and that calmness that you've been looking for. And you'll find the sweetest, sweetest fellowship with God that you've ever known. Our Father, we're grateful today, Lord, that you invite us to be a part of who you are and what you're doing. And Dear Father, we know that in order to be in that place, we have to seek you. We have to seek first your kingdom. We have to realize that all of these other things that are going on in our lives, while important, are not the most important. And Father, we have to 
make it a priority then to submit ourselves under the hand of God that we might be used of God to accomplish godly things, righteousness in our culture. Now, Father, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts today. Father, I pray if there's any person here who's who has not come to know Jesus Christ as personal Savior and Lord, they, Father, they need to understand that they haven't found the will of the Lord yet because it is God's will that every person come to faith in Christ. He's not willing, you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to Jesus through faith. So, Father, I pray you'll speak to those hearts. I pray, Father, you'll speak to the hearts of Christian people who today who who may be wandering about, maybe in the in the storms of life, maybe foundering, and yet, Father, you have that place of peace and that place of calm where where we can come. And so, Father, I pray that you'll help us to put all of those things behind us, beside us, out of the center of our priorities, and help us, Father, today to prioritize our relationship with you to make you first in our hearts and our lives. Now, Father, speak to our hearts. Please, today, help us to hear what you have to say and to do what you tell us to do. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You are listening to the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas, with Pastor David McNary. Today, if you have a Bible with you, let me invite you to turn with me, please, to the book of Philippians the book of Philippians in the New Testament chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians has been called Paul's epistle of joy. Epistle is a, is a letter. So it's Paul's letter of joy because the church at Philippi was one of those of which Paul praised for their growth towards maturity. You know, it's, it's interesting to watch Young Christians, it's interesting to watch new believers. I, I remember there was a there was a young man that was attending our our church whenever I was in Dripping Springs at first bed. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. His church, and he was, he was coming pretty regularly. He was interested in one of the young ladies in the church, and he was coming pretty regularly. And, 
And finally, one day it dawned, I mean, it, the light bulb came on. And it dawned on him what he needed to do, that he needed to trust Jesus Christ in the forgiveness of sin. And so he did that. And it, it was interesting, a few weeks, a couple of weeks after that, he was so excited, I mean, he was, he was just happy all over. And a couple of weeks after that, he came to me and he said, Preacher, I don't understand it. He was all upset. I don't understand it. He was a big old boy, too. I don't understand it. I said, you don't understand what? He said, all of my friends, and he was a cowboy, and he had cowboy friends. And so he said, I can't understand why all of my friends don't want to meet Jesus. I don't know why I talk to him and I tell him, and I just can't figure it out. And I said, well, let me ask you this. What were you like before? Oh, oh, he said. But he was growing, he was excited, he was interested, he was reading the Bible and he was praying every day because he was excited. And these, these Christians at Philippi were like that. They were growing towards maturity faster than what would be considered normal for them. They were beyond their years of experience. Paul wrote in Philippians 1 chapter 3 and uh, I mean chapter 1 verse 3 through 5 and verse 9 he said I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now and this I pray he says that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and judgment he said I keep praying that that from what I've heard from you and the growth that you've made, that your love will continue to grow, that it will abound, uh, grow quickly, and it will become more and more and that you will gain knowledge and judgment. So here was a young church which had rapidly progressed in spiritual understanding and they'd also rapidly pro progressed in the practical aspects of faith. And uh, I think as with any preacher of the gospel, to see that kind of spiritual maturity in young believers uh, was a great source of encouragement to Paul. It's always an encouragement whenever a preacher gets to see some new believers growing and, and, and eager to learn more and eager to understand more and ready and eager to be in, in a place where they can learn what God has to say. So Paul used the early part of this of this letter for the purpose of praising them, uh, giving them a little praise, and also encouraging these Philippian believers. In the third chapter, where we're going to read today, the mood of the letter changes. Until now, Paul was writing about his joy and their joy and his rejoicing and their gladness. But listen to the words of verse 18. He says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Listen, folks, you don't ever want anybody to say that about you. He said they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. It was always a sincere concern of the Apostle Paul that those who claim to be the people of God actually walk in faith actually live faithful and true to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And while he wrote this to them, it was preserved by God for us in 21st century America. You see, what I'm saying to you is that 
even though Paul wrote it to them, and, and you know we like to think, oh, he wrote this letter, he wrote it down for them, and he rolled it up in a scroll, and it was delivered to them, and boy, he really talked to them. Well, listen, he didn't just talk to them. God saved all of this information for us so that we could read it, and not that we read it like a novel, but that we read it like the Word of God. In other words, God says these things. He said those things to them, but He saved it for us so that we might read and have a better understanding about who we are and who God is and what God expects in our lives. So our subject title today is a question, Citizens or Aliens? Citizens or Aliens? I think it's interesting that even though he begins this section with weeping, even though he begins with weeping there in verse 18, his weeping soon turns to joy. Because over in chapter 4 in the first verse, it says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, longed for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. He said, stand fast in the Lord. He said, okay. He said, I'm excited about what you're doing. I'm excited about what's going on in your life. Continue on. Stand fast in the Lord. Okay, let's look at it. Back in verse 18, down through verse 21. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping. He said, it breaks my heart that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Are you a citizen or an alien? Are you a citizen here or an alien here? Or are you a citizen of heaven or an alien? Or would it be considered an alien there? First thing I want you to notice is the cause of weeping. As we read just a, just a couple of minutes ago, he speaks of the enemies of the cross. But who are these fakes? Who are these hypocrites? He, who are these who promote heresy in the church? That was his concern is because they were there promoting heresy in the church. Well, some of the commentators speculate that they were the Gnostics who believe in living for lustful and sensual Pleasure, the Greek word gnosis, starts with a G, G-N-O-S-I-S, means knowledge. And these folks believe that the highest goal, the highest, the highest good was for them to have knowledge and education. And folks, I want to tell you something. There are some people in our culture even today who are like that. In fact, the New Age movement of modern times could be likened to Gnosticism because they think that you can figure everything out. If you just get enough knowledge... If you just get enough education, then you can figure it all out. There will be no mysteries, and you can go right on and do whatever you want to do. And that's what they believed. They believed that the highest good was knowledge. They believed that the highest good was education. Folks, I'm not against education. I think it's very important. But I have known of people in the past who became so educated that they were educated beyond faith. In other words, I understand so much that I don't have to believe in God. You know, I've even read some commentaries like that. 
I've read some commentaries like that. I, I received a commentary in the mail one time a long time ago. And just so you'll know, I sent it back. I want to tell you that now because I sure don't want to forget to tell you that later. I sent it back. But I was reading in the story about where the axe head fell in the river. And the Bible says that the axe head did swim. Well, the commentator said, well, that's not really what happened. What really happened was that he took a stick, he took a pole, and he poked around down in the river until he stuck that stick, that pole, down in that axe head and retrieved it that way. Well, my friend, I think it's easier just to believe that the axe head did swim than it is to believe that he took time poking poking around. Uh, listen, I know how hard that is because just the other day, tried to retrieve a fishing rod that went in the lake. Just so you know, it wasn't mine. We didn't get it. You know, we tried and tried. We didn't get it. So, first of all, it could have been Gnostics, or it could have been it could have been the Judaizers. Now, we've talked a lot about the Judaizers of late, in in the book of particularly in the book of Galatians. But these enemies of the cross could have been Judaizers. They taught that it was all right to believe in Jesus. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right for you to believe in Jesus. But once you do, then you must live strictly by the law of Moses. You have to practice all of the commandments. You have to practice all of the law of Moses. And, and I know that whenever we think of the law of Moses, we think of the Ten Commandments first. But I want you to know there was a lot more law than just the Ten Commandments, okay? There was, there was laws that, that pertain to every day, every part of your life, everything that you could do and couldn't do. There was all kinds of laws. And by the way, those of you that love catfish, you don't want to live by the law. Prohibited. Prohibited to eat catfish. Those of you who like shrimp or lobster, you don't want to live by the law. You don't want to have to be bound by the law. But that's exactly what they taught. They taught it was okay to believe in Jesus, but you have to live strictly by the law. These were the legalists of their day. And they're still around today, along with another group that I would call the liberalists. <laughs> you got both groups. The ones that believe, oh, we have to live strictly by the law, and the others that believe, whoo, we stay away from the law, we can do anything that we want to do. And folks, there's people like both of these groups in our culture and in our society today. But I want you to notice what Paul says. He says, many walk. Okay? There in verse 18, for many walk as the enemies of the cross of Christ. What does he mean, they walk? Even though they say they believe, the way they live voids their testimony. You see, your walk is how you live. Your walk is how you portray what you say you believe in daily life. That's your walk. And he says they, they walk as the enemies of the cross of Christ. They are the ones to whom Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Matthew 7 and verse 23. Now I want you to listen to how they're described because I think it's important to see who these folks were. First of all, he says their end is destruction. They're religious, but they're not believers in the resurrected Christ. He says whose God is their belly. They're interested in food and drink and worldly pleasures. That's what he means. That's what it talks about when he says that their God is their belly. They're going to worship all of this other stuff, and it's all the most important. And then he goes on to say, whose glory is in their shame. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. 
I believe that phrase right there speaks to our culture today maybe more than more than than at any other time in history. Because we live in a society today where people try to justify everything that they do. In other words, I don't have to I don't have to abide by any rules. I don't have to listen to God. I don't have to respond to what God tells me to do. All I'd have to do is just do whatever I want to do. And if it doesn't seem right, or if I get under conviction about it, all I have to do is go back and confess it, and it's gone. It's taken away. Well, listen, there has to be some kind of commitment. There has to be some kind of sincerity in what we do and who we serve. And we need to be serving the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what these folks did. They were proud of their sin, and they bragged about it. Now, that really sounds pretty familiar in our culture. I want you to think about it. I haven't worked in secular work in a long, long time, but I can still remember those days. Think about this. What do your co-workers and peers brag about on Monday after the weekend activities? Think about it. The guys that I used to work with, they talked about going out and getting drunk or going to this party or going hanging out with this woman over here at this other place. and That's, that's what they always talked They bragged about it. They brag about their sin. And folks, that's exactly what he's talking about here. They had the same problem with these, with these fakes, with these false teachers and false leaders. They had the same problems with them. They would brag about their sin. And our culture today is uh, under that kind of thought and under that kind of society. We think that it's okay. You just go in and do it, whatever you want to do. Oh, that's not what God meant when he wrote that. Well, pray tell, what did he mean? And not only that, who gets to decide, you see? The best way to do it is just to read what he says in his word and believe what he says in his word and understand that as the truth. The second thing I want you to notice is the citizenship of the redeemed. The word conversation in verse 20 in the King James Version is the Greek word polytuma. And it's translated citizenship in, in other reputable versions or other reputable translations. And that changes things a little bit. For our citizenship is in heaven. <laughs> My citizenship is in heaven. How do you get a heavenly citizenship? How do you get a heavenly citizenship? By believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. By believing in the, in the Lord Jesus Christ. By entering into a, a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, what Paul was speaking about here was readily and easily understood by those who were living in Philippi because Philippi was a Roman colony. Any transaction of legal matters, any, any, any births, they were all registered in, in Rome. They were under Roman law. They were under Roman rule. So when Paul spoke of a heavenly citizenship, he knew that they could understand that though they were separated from heaven, still they were citizens of that faraway land whose builder and maker is God. They understood that. And folks, I think that if we understood that better in our culture, in our day today, in our society, if we could just understand that, that we would probably live different lives, lives that were more committed unto the Lord. Because you see, we represent heaven. If you're a Christian today, you represent heaven. Your citizenship is there. Even though you're here for a time, your responsibility is to represent God, to represent heaven, 
to represent the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. You're representing Him, and so our lives should represent Him in the kind of way that would cause other people to want to go there. I heard a guy say one time, he said, I don't want to go to heaven, I want to go to hell because all my friends are going to be there. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And I said, yeah, all your friends may be there, but you won't know whether they are or not. That'll be the least of your worries. I don't want to go to heaven. Listen, we are citizens of heaven, and we need to be busy helping people to understand that heaven is God's home and that heaven is, is a free gift of God through faith in Jesus Christ. I know it's difficult for us to think in heavenly terms, but Jesus tells us that we need to do that. He encourages us to lay not up treasures on the earth because they won't last. But he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Why? For where your treasure is, there's your heart also. Wherever your treasure is. Listen, if, if you're so bound to build up treasures here upon the earth, then what happens is you become earthbound. And you don't want to be earthbound because one of these days, this earth will not exist anymore. Lay up your treasures in heaven. What's the greatest treasure that a person can lay up in heaven? Do you, have you ever thought about that? The soul of a family member? The soul of a friend? The opportunity that you've had that God has given you to share Christ with some person? Listen, that's the greatest treasure of all. All of this other junk doesn't matter. Listen, I want to tell you something. We put a lot of stock in the things that we have here on the earth. I want to tell you something. It won't matter. One day it won't matter. You're not going to take it with you and you're not going to need it either. Amen. You're not going to need it either. You can't take it with you. You're not going to need it. So what do we need to do? We need to be busy thinking about heavenly things. We need to be busy thinking about God. We need to be busy serving God and showing forth the love of God wherever we go. The third thing I want you to notice out of this passage of Scripture is the Christ of our hope. <laughs> the Christ of our hope. Verse 20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, 
that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Listen, he's the Christ of our hope. Paul preaches from weeping to rejoicing. He tells us that our citizenship is in heaven and that Christ will come from heaven. Christ will come from heaven to get us and change us to be like him. Jesus himself said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. Where is he? He's in heaven at the right hand of the Father. And he says, I promise to you that I'm going to come back for you. I've got, I've got everything ready. I'm going to come back for you and I'm going to take you to where I am. He's going to come and get us and he's going to change us. He's going to transform us. Folks, it's the assurance of his coming again that we find our hope and our strength to endure. Okay? A few more days. You need strength to endure. That strength to endure comes from the assurance that He's coming back for me. He's coming back for me. Abraham had a hope as he looked for God's city and he was content to live out the days of his life in a tent. <laughs> How many of y'all want to live in a tent? We got neighbors that called on, on Friday and said they were going to go sleep in a tent Friday night. This 41 degrees at my house yesterday morning. I didn't envy them. They did something smart, though. They let somebody else take care of their children while they went and suffered in a tent. You know, we used to do that. Not much fun. But Abraham had a hope, and he didn't care what he had or didn't have here on the earth. He just wanted to serve God. He just wanted to be the friend of God. Listen, there's farmers and ranchers and electricians and school teachers and business persons and even... And even retired people, we can be content to live out our lives on the earth because of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. To learn, to understand, to be, to, to understand the reality that this is not the end, okay? Listen, I want to tell you something. Physical death is not the end. Physical death is the beginning. <laughs> it's the beginning. It's the beginning of real life. It's the beginning of true life. No matter who you are today, through faith, you can have this hope because of the promise of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And you will find contentment. You find your contentment in that faith in Jesus Christ through, by the way, through faithful service. Now, the faithful service is the only way that you know whether your faith is true, you see. Because God doesn't work. You believe in Jesus Christ and He doesn't work to change you, to transform you, to make you over brand new. And it's a life that's been changed by the power, by the power of His blood. Too many, even family, friends, and fellow church members give us cause to weep. Just like Paul. They give us cause cause to weep. We wonder if they are true believers in the Christ of our hope. You know, we, we, love, we love people and they say that they believe in Christ, but the way they live their lives doesn't represent that, that God has done a work in their lives, that there's been a change, that the transformation is taking place. And 
folks, whether they are or they aren't, they have become the enemies of the cross through their hypocritical way of life. But we, my friends, must faithfully stand in service to God. We must faithfully hold the fort till Jesus comes. That old song by P.P. Bliss was inspired, I've read, by an illustration which was used by Major Whittle. He was speaking at a YMCA at that time. That's when the YMCA actually meant Young Men's Christian Association. It was a Christian organization. And he was an officer in the American Civil War. He told the story, just as a small northern force of soldiers guarding a huge cache of supplies were about to surrender, they received a signal from a faraway hilltop from their leader, who was General Sherman. He said, hold the fort. I am coming, Sherman. Hold the fort. I am coming, Sherman. Listen to the words to the song that Bliss wrote. Hold my comrades, see the signal waving in the sky. Reinforcements now appearing, victory is nigh. See the mighty host advancing, Satan leading on. Mighty men around us falling, courage almost gone. See the glorious banner waving, hear the trumpet blow. In our leader's name we triumph over every foe. Fierce and long the battle rages, but our help is near. Onward comes our great commander. Cheer, my comrades, cheer. Hold the fort, for I am coming. Jesus signals still. Wave the answer back to heaven. By thy grace, we will. We're still here to hold the fort. But we do it proactively. We do it by telling others about Jesus and letting people know the fact and the reality and the truth that Jesus is coming again. And it may be soon, it may be tomorrow, it may be today. We must be ready and so must they. Listen, folks. It is urgent for us to be busy sharing the message that Jesus saves. He's the only one who saves. Jesus saves. He is the one and He is the only Son of the living God. Our Father, we're grateful today for the Word of God. Father, we're grateful today that You challenge us. Father, we're grateful today that You encourage us, that You Boost us up so that we might know that our hope is in reality in heaven with God and we don't have to worry about that. But Father, sometimes we become weak. Sometimes our courage begins to wane. Oh God, our Father, I pray that You might encourage us today, strengthen us today, help us to love Jesus and our neighbors enough to tell them about Him so that they too might be born into the family of God. Speak to our hearts today, Father, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas, with Pastor David McNary. 
A podcast of this service is available on demand at the KCAA website at www.kcaaradio.com. To listen to this service at any time, go to the KCAA Sunday schedule and click the podcast link under the image of Pastor McNary. The Pruitt Baptist Church is located at 9908 State Highway 110 in Van, Texas. The Sunday worship schedule includes Bible study at 9.45 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m., and evening worship at 6 p.m. For more information about the Pruitt Baptist Church, visit their website at www.pruittbaptistchurch.com or call 903-963-7473. You're listening to KCAA, Loma Linda, California. The best station in the nation. This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. If you rely on online product reviews when deciding what to purchase, you could be shortchanging yourself. We'll have results of a recent study that may surprise you. If consumers start to assume that these ratings give perfect indications of product quality, they're only going to rely on these ratings and ignore other cues that also have information about product quality. Then, how many hours of sleep do you need? Getting enough shut-eye is critical if you want to perform at your best. We do not adapt. If you need seven hours of sleep, you do not adapt to five or six hours of sleep per night. And you cannot catch up fully over the course of a single weekend. Those two stories and much more are coming your way on this week's show. Don't go away. InfoTrack gets underway right after this. Anyone can create a podcast on the web. In fact, there are millions of them online. But if you want quality internet talk radio, just remember this address, talkzone.com. TalkZone is Internet Talk Radio for planet Earth with talented hosts, great guests, and good conversation. Ready to share your thoughts and ideas with a global audience? Become a TalkZone show host yourself. Learn more at TalkZone.com. Internet Talk Radio for planet Earth. TalkZone.com. Today's forecast for the inside of your vehicle, sponsored by WeatherTech. A 90% chance of nacho cheese storms this afternoon, moving in from a drive through worker answering a phone while serving you, leading to a real messy day. For the weekend, conditions are perfect for a sandstorm developing, caused by a day at the beach with flip-flops and towels contributing there. For folks living with an SUV, watch out for a big mess in the back developing later from a bag of mulch and compost. Conditions are ripe. Spills, mud, dirt, and sand can ruin the floor of your car, truck, or SUV. The best way to protect your vehicle's floor is with WeatherTech floor liners and cargo liners. Made of the highest quality materials and laser measured, WeatherTech floor liners are specifically designed for your vehicle. And they're made in America. Protect yourself from the elements inside your vehicle. Order yours today at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS. WeatherTech. Complete protection. Completely American-made. A seatbelt can stop you from going into a store. A seatbelt can stop you from climbing a tree. It can stop you from flying or from rolling down a hill. A seatbelt can stop you from doing a lot of things, like crushing bones and damaging vital organs. It can even save your life. That's why we enforce seatbelt laws, to save lives. So buckle up every trip, every time. Click it or ticket. Paid for by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. 
InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. If you put your trust in online product reviews before you buy something, you might want to think again. A recent study says those reviews may not always be accurate. Bart Lang is a co-author of that study. He's assistant professor of marketing at the Leeds School of Business at the University of Colorado. You examined a vast amount of data in this research. Give us an idea of how big your data set was. Well, we examined about 1,200 products across 120 product categories for a total of more than 100,000 ratings of products. Wow. And what were your findings? What did you discover? Our main finding is that the ratings that consumers give to products online on retailer sites such as Amazon show surprisingly little correspondence with the ratings that experts, for instance, from Consumer Reports, provide for the same products based on tests in lab settings. So if you would take two alternatives in a product category, just pick two randomly chosen car seats, for instance, and assess the likelihood that the alternative that is rated higher by consumers is also rated higher by experts, that would be 57%. would be a coin flip, would be complete randomness. So online ratings provide a little better information than a coin flip. Are people just inept at judging products or is there some bias going on there? There's a variety of reasons. The first category of reasons is nefarious in nature. So companies post favorable reviews for their own products and unfavorable reviews for competitors' products. So there's fake reviews. Consumers post ratings for products even if they've never purchased or never consumed a product. The second category of reasons relates to measurement issues. There's a lot of selection biases in the sample of consumers that rate products online. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin and Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 